so the Bible says that God will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail it. And we're seeing that more and more. And we're witnesses to the power of God in this community. And not only witnesses, but participants. And I love what John and Cena brought last week. He brought a message of power. And it was such an impacting message. And, and it was so true. And, and it's amazing how God and the Holy Spirit just works through each and every one of, of, every one of us. And reveals to us a different aspect of what he's doing. You know, he shared a scripture to remind us that we're clothed in Christ. That we're seated with Christ. That we have the authority through Christ. And we are participants of his power. And this morning, I'm going to compliment that. I'm going to try to compliment that by talking about the power of prayer. And, uh, and that is something that we can gain the power of God through the power of prayer. And uh, we're excited to be bringing that word to you today. So prayer, it's the foundation of everything that we do. Like Athena mentioned, every day we've got people praying. We've got a couple of people pray every day on behalf of the church. They pray for the church, pray for the prayer requests, pray for the leaders, pray for all the church congregation, pray for the community, pray for all sorts of things. I don't even know. There's a huge list. And they just rotate. Every day, rotate. Every day, rotate. It's amazing that the foundation of church is prayer. And, um, and to participate in the plan and the power of God, and to reach the community, and to reach community and bring glory to Christ, we need to continually have that foundation of prayer in our lives. We've got to continually uh, pray and, and engage with Him to be effective in all that we do. And it's true of us in our daily lives. So prayer is that personal connection with God. It's that personal connection that we can have with Him. You know, it, it translates from reading something on a paper to actually making it a personal thing. And letting the Spirit of God filling you and, 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 trans, and transforming you in, in, into His glory. And, you know, the thing is, we can, we can just be like everybody else. We can be, be like the world. We can, you know, uh, rely on our own in, in, intellect. We can rely on our own knowledge. We can rely on, on our own willpower even. I mean, the human willpower is pretty strong. We can do quite a lot of things. We've seen, you know, world records broken all the time and, and people break beyond barriers. People break beyond things and break beyond their own limitation. We see that. And so the human is capable of doing many things. You know, we can rely purely on systems or programs or organizations to rally up and build the organization. But that, what that does, it brings glory to self. It doesn't bring glory to God. And, and that, that's something that we've got to keep out of the church. When we rely on self, we become proud. We become full of ego, corrupt, destructive. And we see all too often in the church and in the corporate world or in the world. You know, God is building up a church in the last days through men and women that pray. Men and women that have a truly personal connection with Him. People that participate in His power through the power of prayer. And I, I was reading this morning, or actually last night, I was uh, I didn't know where I was, whether I was going to put it in, but I thought, you know, God's really doing something in this. James 5.16 says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person. The Bible says that we're righteous through Christ. See, the verse is very powerful and true. Our prayers are effective in participating in God's power. Our prayers are effective in participating in God's power. Our prayers are effective in binding up the enemy, binding up evil. Our, our prayers are effective in releasing and praying in God's will for our lives, for our church and our community. And many of us have seen that, have seen a testimony of that through our lives. 
We've seen the effectiveness on prayer. But why do we feel sometimes that our prayers aren't effective? Why do we feel that way? And if you feel that way, then how do we become prayer, powerful in prayer and effective in our prayer? How do we do that? See, the first part of James 5.16, I just read you 5b, but the first part of it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Mm. Start to open it up a little bit more. See, James says that the prayers are most effective when, of, when we confess our sin. Prayers are most effective when we confess our sin, when we pray repentance, when we repent of our sins, and we, and we, and we, we pray for healing and forgiveness. That's when prayers are effective. See, when a Christian stops being self-righteous, which, let's admit it, there's a lot of Christians out there, not in our church, we're really good, by the way. We've got to, forgive me if, if I'm offending anyone. See, when, when Christians stop becoming self-righteous, and thinking that, you know, I go, oh, oh, look at me, look how good I am. You know, and they finally dare to come clean with themselves. When they finally dare to become truthful with themselves about their own faults, their own failures, and their own personal sins. And when they repent and cry out for forgiveness, that is when our prayers truly become effective. Think about it, let us sink in. See, for a long time, I was afraid to admit fault. Don't we hate it? We hate admitting fault. I mean, don't I hate admitting fault? <laughs> I mean, all of us, I mean, we're all like that. You know, we hate admitting our sins. We don't like to admit fault. We harden up when people even pick faults. Like, you, you don't even know me. What, what do you mean? It's not true, even though you know it's true. We're afraid of what people think. We're afraid to admit it. Insecurities that trigger off rejections. So we choose to close up, don't we? We choose. I'm like, oh man, it's too painful, man. I can't be bothered. I don't want to go through that pain. I just prefer to say, no, it's not true. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? See, but the internal change happens. The awakening begins when you choose to be real with yourself, when you choose to come clean and confess and admit. Okay, not, not, not throw all your dirty laundry to everybody, but confess to God. Admit it to Him. Admit it to yourself. So what what does that kind of prayer look like? What does that kind of prayer that James is talking about look like? See, the last three times that I've been on the pulpit, I've been sharing from the book of Daniel. And uh, this morning I'm going to close it off. Finally, it's going to be my fourth fourth part. And uh, really I could not let it go without talking about prayer. And Daniel, you know, I think it's one third of the whole 12 chapters is all about prayer. And um, so today I'm going to be closing it off and talk about what effective prayer looks like. See, I've stayed on the book of Daniel because it's a powerful example for us today. And uh, hopefully you remember, but, you know, everything that he went through, you know, the temptations of sin, gluttony, uh, you know, lust, greed, all that stuff, the temptations were all there. He was surrounded by ungodliness. He was surrounded by that for 70 years. Imagine being surrounded by that for 70 years. A very long time. See, he was surrounded. But still, despite all of that, he, he decided, he made a decision to remain determined in his faithfulness to God. He was determined to live a godly life in an ungodly culture, similar to what we're in today. 
and he remained connected to God through prayer every day. And in, in the Bible, in the, uh, one of the chapters, it talks about that Daniel prayed three times a day. See, Daniel's personal connection with God, his confession, his repentance made his prayers effective. They were effective and they were powerful. God answered his prayers. And he was an example of a person who had powerful and effective prayer. And we can learn from that today. So much so, so effective that, he, that his prayers were, that God gave him wisdom, knowledge, understanding in all that he did. David was able, he was able to interpret dreams. He, not, only, not only was he able to interpret dreams, but he was able to tell the king what your dream was, and this is what it meant. It's like, what? How did that happen? And the Babylonian magicians, they were like, okay, well, we're just going to admit that he's God and that he's, God is true God and we're just fake. It led them to that point. They had to. They had no choice. You know, the, the power, the effective prayer was able to reveal to Daniel the future of kings and even the future of the world. Daniel even prophesied about the Messiah. He talked about the end of the world. God revealed it to him through prayer. He even witnessed God's power when, when, when the Babylonians got so jealous about Daniel and, and him praying all the time. They thought, stuff you, we're going to put you in the den of lions, see if, you can, if your God's going to save you. Guess what? These lions were starving. But the next day, not even, he was alive. The king called down and said, hey, Daniel, are you still in the pit, alive? Yes, I'm here. He's like, glory to God. Glory to God, God's rule. It's amazing how effective prayer and persistence, it glorifies God in the community and in the surrounding areas around you. Amazing. Daniel had an active and effective prayer life. So in Daniel chapter 9, we're going to skip all the chapters. I've gone through quite a bit already in the last three, three other times. Daniel chapter 9, we see an example of how he prayed, which is powerful. We see some of the principles and how he became effective in his prayer. See, the last time we went through any of the first two verses, and I talked about prayer, I don't know if you remember, and, and talked about the importance of the word, and talked about, and that's the first principle of effective prayer. True and effective prayer begins with when you know God's word. See, knowing God's word inspired David to pray. It inspired him. He, it, when he read it, something happened, and he, and he woke up. It was like alert, and it was like, wow. He fasted, he put on sackcloth and ashes, you know, which speaks of humility. Went before God and said, God, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here, I'm your servant. Do your will. I'm here to pray. You know, his mind was overflowing with the word of God. Just in the next uh, verse, he, he quotes four scriptures in one verse. Nehemiah, Deuteronomy, Psalm, and I think Ezekiel. He just, he just, his mind was overflowing with the word. His heart overflowed with prayer. And that's something we can do too. If our mind overflows with the word of God, we can't help but being overflowed with prayer and connecting with God. That's great. See, to, be, to read the Bible and not be motivated to pray, it's got to suggest something. I mean, for me, for me it does. It, 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 if, if we're only reading the Bible for academic purposes or legalistic purposes or religious purposes, then that kind of faith... When, when the trials and the, the issues hit in life, you're not going to be able to stand. There's no life on it. Even though you know the word that way, there, there's still no life that comes out. It doesn't translate to a personal connection with God. So there's no power. Try it for yourself. You see it. Check for yourself. It's good to test. 
It's good to test. And if it is, find out why. Ask why, and we'll get to that in a moment. See, the Word of God is spirit-breathed. It'll connect you. His Word will connect you to Him. The Word and prayer go hand in hand. I don't know if you remember, but in the book of Acts, the apostles were devoted to prayer and the Word. They were devoted to prayer and the Word. They weren't just devoted to prayer. And granted that when you, when you start your journey in faith, it, it's okay that you don't know the Word. It's a journey. You know, God covers you with grace. God commends you for your prayer. God still responds in faith to a person that prays in faith. But the process of a maturing Christian involves knowing the Word of God, involves knowing Scripture in an intimate way, and that draws you closer to Him. It draws you to want to pray. See, the Word of God reveals His love. It reveals the character, His character, His plans, and it fills us with faith, trust, and confidence to pray. A true heart of prayer knows scriptures. See, the next verse in Daniel's prayer, and uh, we're going to start to see how, why his prayers are so powerful. And it, it goes like this, Daniel 9 to 4. Um, I pray to the Lord my God and confessed. That word confession. You hear that? James said confession. And he confessed, Our Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God, who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keeps his commands. Wow, he really had an understanding of God. See, confession is the most important piece of prayer, but yet many Christians don't do it these days. You know, it's, it's what makes our prayers powerful and effective, which I'm going to get to. See, we, we, uh, over time and over the years, the last 2,000 years, we've put confession into a box, even in, in church buildings, we put confession into a box and we've limited it that way. We, we get these preconceptions, pre, you know, stigmas about confession and what it might look like. And we, we just, we're like, okay, well, I'm only going to confess when I'm coming to church or, when, or if I'm in front of a priest, I'm going to confess. No, confession is a personal thing. You can do it right now. You can do it at home. Confession. Confession means to agree with. That's what confession means, to agree with. What are you agreeing with? You're agreeing with the Word of God. That's what confession means. You're agreeing with His character and who He is. Wow, that's so powerful. I feel like falling over. And at the same time, you acknowledge His actions. You acknowledge your actions. You acknowledge the truth. That's what confession is. Powerful. See, confession means that being truthful to God about your own actions and your behaviors, right? It's being real about your behaviors. It's recognizing that sin is sin. And, and you're calling it for what it is. It's being truthful. Praise the Lord. Getting excited, man. <clears throat> See, it's, it's also calling it all the bad names. We're afraid to admit it, Right? It, 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 we say, we, we can call it wickedness. We can call sin wickedness. All right? Let's not be afraid to call it what it is. We can call it rebellion. We can call it disobedience to God. That's what sin is. Confession doesn't water down sin like the world wants us to water it down. It doesn't water it down. It tries to, the world continually tries to blur the lines of truth and morality. We know that. We're in this world. We know it. Gossip, slander, hatred, anger, sexual perversion, adultery, and many other sins. They're all still sins. 
They're all still sins. Confession begins to clear the line of truth. Right? I'm so excited. I'm preaching to myself. I'm so excited. See, the world's belief causes confusion amongst so many Christians. And it blurs that line. And it makes us feel like we don't have to face the truth. Hey, it, it makes everything seem permissible. Right? We've heard that scripture. I don't know if you've heard that scripture. And that's exactly what the Corinthians quoted. They quoted that to Paul. Paul said, hey, you've got freedom in Christ. And the Corinthians said, yeah, everything's permissible because of that. He's like, hold on, hold on a second. Let, let me clear that. And, it, and it's in 1 Corinthians 6.12. Everything is permissible for me. That's what people use. They're like, well, I've got freedom in Christ. I'm allowed to do what I want then, right? No, sorry. See, they took the scripture, the scripture out of context. They twisted it to suit, to suit their sinful ways. And that's sometimes what we do. We like to do that. We, like, we don't like to admit our actions. We don't like to admit the truth. Feeling a bit uncomfortable, some of you, so sorry about that. But the truth, let the truth set you free. Woohoo! <laughs> we need to. We're a church. The church is truth. You know, let's, let's get rid of all the preconceptions of what church might be or what has done. But hey, we've got to preach the pure word of God here. And only the truth of God will set you free, not watered down Christianity. It won't do anything. It won't change you. I'm a, I, you know, I know that. We all know that. See, we say things like, well, I'm free. I'm free. I, I can do what I want because I'm no longer under that old law. The Ten Commandments pff, doesn't apply to me. Right? That's what we say sometimes. <laughs> you know, I, we say, well, I live under a new spirit. I, I live under the, the law of love. I live under a different, a different set of rules. And, and Jesus, he cleanses me of all sin. We say that to ourselves, right? It's true. You live under grace. It's true. You are free. This, but the scriptures in context says that all things are permissible because you are free. But that does not mean that you can sin. It does not mean that you're permitted to sin. It does not mean that. See, sometimes we like to give ourselves license to sin. Ah, oh, the grace of God's on it. I can do, yeah, good one. Maybe for you. I've lied to myself too many times. It's justify any way possible. See, Galatians 5.13 says, for you are called to be free. Just what we're saying, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Don't use the opportunity of freedom don't use freedom in Christ as an opportunity to fuel and fuel your desires. Don't use that. That doesn't bring glory to God. See, confession faces the truth of God's word. It faces the truth of our own actions, our own behaviors. We can't be afraid of the truth. We can't. Mate, we're not perfect. I'm not saying that you've got to be perfect to follow God. Hey, every single day confession, every single day every single day but the thing is the truth will set you free wow see from verse 5 onwards now I'm going back to Daniel Daniel um, I've done four so from verse 5 we start to see Daniel's prayers and the, and how they are powerful and effective as he confesses he agrees with the God's character you're going to see that 
and he calls out the sin and he faces the truth about it. Puts everything out on the table. I love that. What's your Daniel 9, 5 to 15. And I, and I took a couple of relevant parts out, but feel free to read it on your, on your own time. We have sinned, done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, turned away from your commands and ordinances. This is Daniel praying. First is going, God, you're awesome, love you, love your mercy, your kindness, your goodness, and then admitting it. Isn't that funny? Almost like the word, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He puts God up first, elevates God. Let your kingdom come. He does it a little bit different. He confesses his sin, and he does, talks about the kingdom of God in there as well. But it's funny how Old Testament, New Testament, there's a pattern of prayer. You start to see that. And I love reading the, this one about Daniel because he, he's got about 20 different quotes from 20 different books and scriptures in there. And it's amazing because you get to see the whole picture. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who have spoken your name to our kings, leaders, ancestors, and all the people of the land. Lord, righteousness belongs to you. He's admitting the, the sin, but he's still going, God, all righteousness belongs to you. But this day, public shame belongs to us. The men of Judah, the residents of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are near and those who are far in all the countries where you have banished them because of disloyalty they have shown towards you. Verse 9, compassion and forgiveness belong to our Lord, declaring who God is again, powerful, even in the pain. Though we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the Lord our God by following his instructions that is set before us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel have broken your law and turned away refuse to obey you. The promised curse written in the law of Moses, they were forewarned. The love of God, forewarned. The promised curse written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. Verse 13, just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquities, paying attention to your truth. Verse 15, we have sinned. We have acted wickedly. Powerful confession. What a powerful confession. See, true confession admits that God is holy. True confession admits that God is righteous, just. But true confession confession also faces the truth. It faces the truth. It admits to the sin and acknowledges any consequences. True confession. Confession maintains a humility before God. And you see that with David through his whole life. And in the process of prayer, in the process of that humility and prayer, you align your heart and your mind with his heart and with his mind. We get his perspective on our situation. True confession brings full light to the situation. The Bible says that where there is light, there cannot be darkness. There cannot be darkness breaking that power. His light unblurs every line of morality. His light unblurs and removes the hiddenness of sin, where sin, where, where guilt, condemnation, and shame hide. It hides there. It doesn't like the light of God. See, sometimes we're asking God, what's happening, God? What's happening? Why am I not getting the answer? You know, th- there might be other reasons to that. I don't know. But maybe we haven't recognized and confessed our sin. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe we have an attitude problem, a gossip problem, a slander problem, 
a judgmental problem. Any other problems? Maybe, maybe you have unforgiveness in your heart. Maybe. Confession will reveal the truth and lead you to complete freedom. It will lead you there. Sure, we're forgiven. But, but the Bible says we need to confess our sins to God. And He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look at this. 1 John 1.9 If, oh, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow, the power of God. That is the power of God. You know, there's something in the confession. There's something that happens inside of you. It's, it's being real with the actions, admitting your ways. There's, there's a cleansing process that happens when you confess. Confession, repentance, forgiveness, it'll cleanse you. It'll heal you. It'll set you free. Set you free. I thought about a song. I'm not going to sing. I don't know how to sing. <clears throat> See, confession like Daniel will lead you to your prayers being answered. Praise the Lord. Your prayers will be powerful and effective. See, Daniel went on to appeal to the Lord for himself and the Israelites according to God's will. On, on the next part, but I'm not going there. I'm not, I'm not going to continue on the scripture. But you read it for yourself. You see how it starts to appeal. You know, Daniel's prayers, they were answered. Israel was set free. They were answered. Daniel's prayers... You know, Daniel participated in the power of God. And we can participate in the power of God. He participated in the power of God and saw God move and saw answered prayer. True prayer changes us. It changes our perspective. It changes. It opens up our eyes to the truth. True prayer comes from knowing His Word and understanding His character. It causes us to be real with God and real with ourselves. It leads us to confession of His character and confession of our sins. It will set you free from any guilt, shame, condemnation. Praise the Lord. It will lead you to a powerful life, an effective life. It will lead your prayers to be effective. It will lead you to participate in God's power. Today, we can, we can participate in the Lord's power. Right now, you can participate in the Lord's power. You know, when they, they see power and a big power, the big power's inside. The big power's in there. Our prayers can be powerful and effective. Our prayers can bind up evil and push back darkness. Our prayers can open up blind eyes and open up hearts to the love of God. Our prayers. It's time that the church get real, gets real with their sin, confess to God, repent, ask for forgiveness, and your prayers will be effective. So let's practice that true prayer right now. Hey, let's close our eyes. And uh, you know, as the band makes their way up to play something in the background, just make this private confession right now before God. Just you and Him. Don't need to confess to anybody else. You and Him. That's all you need. So we'll practice that. So right now you reflect on God. Reflect on His character. Think about Him. Put yourself to the side right now. Think about Him. Think about His power. Think about His love. Think about His mercy, His kindness, His forgiveness, His goodness. Think about what He's done in your life. 
Think about that. That's confession. You know, it's his character. Reflect on his character. Name him. Now you go to the next part. You ask yourself, where have you blurred the lines of truth? Ask yourself that. What actions are you doing that don't don't line up to the word of God? Be real with yourself right now. No one can hear your thoughts. Don't be afraid of him. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And if you get afraid, you go back to number one. Think about his character. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. And you go, ask yourself again, have you slandered or gossiped about about anyone lately? Have you put someone down to elevate yourself? Are you holding unforgiveness to a parent, a sibling, a relative, a friend? Are you holding that? Ask and if you're feeling that pain's too hard right now, go to step one again. God, I focus and I reflect on your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your forgiveness. That your word says that if I forgive those that have hurt me, you will forgive me. So ask yourself again. Strengthen yourself in God and his word. Now ask yourself again, God, do I need to forgive anyone in my heart? Do I need to release anybody? Do I need to release a parent, a sibling, a relative, a friend? Have you been perverse? Another question. Perverse in your thinking. Perverse in your actions. If you don't like to admit it, and if it hurts to admit it, go back to number one. (laughs) Think about his love. Thank you, God, that you're good. Thank you, God, that it hurts to admit my actions, but God, I thank you so much that you you forgive me. I thank you so much for your mercy. I thank you for your kindness. Thank you for the blood of Jesus and what you've done on the cross for me. Thank you that you broke the power of sin over my life. That Lord God, you've cleansed me of past, present, and future. I thank you, Father God, that you say that as soon as you forgive and I confess and you forgive, that my sins are no more cleansed holy, righteous before Him. Amazing. Have you lied or cheated to somebody? You've done that. Now the next part. Now you ask God for forgiveness. Father, forgive me. Forgive me of my actions. Forgive me of my blindness. Forgive me, God, of my behaviors. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. I thank you that you know me better than I know myself. I thank you, Father, that your mercy covers me, your grace covers me, Lord. I thank you. Now the next step, you repent. Turn from your ways. Turn from him. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn to God and go, Lord, I recommit my heart to you. I recommit. Your word says, to love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. I recommit right now, Lord, to you. I thank you. And now that your heart's aligned, now that your heart's cleansed before him, 
and you're, you're, you're cleansed free of guilt, shame, condemnation. Now you make your requests made known to God. Now you say, Lord, I pray for my loved ones. I pray for my family. I pray for my job. I pray for my finances. I pray for my breakthrough. I thank you, God. I, I cast them all to you. I cast my cares. I give them all to you. I put my trust, my hope, my faith in you. You can pray according to his will. According to his will because you've been realigned. Your mind's been realigned to him and his word. Father, I thank you today for your word. I pray, God, that we become a church, a body of people that know you. I pray, God, that we are a body of people that seeks out your word and understands you, your character, and your love. I pray we become a people who are not afraid to confess, unafraid to admit wrong, unafraid to approach you, God. Thank you, Lord, for your blood. Thank you for what you've done on the cross, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that you've cleansed us from all guilt, shame, condemnation. Thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. Thank you, Father. Mighty God.